Hello, everyone. You're listening to the DSG Connect podcast. As one of the world's leading dental laboratory networks, we value connection. And in alignment with that value, the DSG Connect podcast is here to serve you. Our goal is to elevate voices in dentistry. You know the ones, world changers, innovators, disruptors, true leaders, the people making a difference and bringing world-class solutions to our industry and communities. Our guests will educate, inspire, and share what is working, how to pivot when things go sideways, and everything in between. Wherever you find yourself listening, thank you. Thank you for listening to DSG Connect. Today, we have the honor of sitting with Dr. Alex Rader as he shares what it looks like to set patient expectations on implant cases. Dr. Rader earned his DDS from the University of California, Los Angeles School of Dentistry. He is committed to advancing dentistry through continuing education by being involved with many prestigious dental organizations, as well as lecturing and sharing his passion for dentistry and to help others take their practice and procedures to the next level. He practices in Walnut Creek, California, where he's built a reputation on uncompromising clinical excellence, specializing in implants and complex cases. And to introduce him today, we have our very own CEO of Dental Services Group, Lou Azara. Well, thank you, Heidi. And uh, thank you. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I have to share with you, Heidi, and you you know this personally because of your relationship with Dr. Rader, and he's part of the family, the DSC family uh, for certain. There's very few people that our industries are blessed with an abundance of incredible talent, but very few could put together the vision of the future and what dental health care can look like and be so focused on the here and now. Just a, a marvelous clinician in today's world and optimizes today's technology, caring and thoughtfulness. But also I've been so inspired on, on during our conversations on how he can look to the future and what the possibilities uh, can be. We're coming on the heels of a COVID year you know, in 2020 and now still going on in 2021. And a lot of the, the lessons that I've taken away from my conversations with Dr. Rader applied very much to the most dramatic set of circumstances that we've all been faced with. And thinking back and reflecting on, on some of the things that he shared and how technology can enable better delivery system, better communication, more enhanced experience, and just better care, those futuristic thoughts are here and now. Proud to have uh, Dr. Rader introduced to our privileged audience that we get to serve and be a part of and, and expose him and his thoughts and his vision to the world around us. So I'm really moved and excited about this, Heidi. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rader. And thank you, Lou, for that wonderful introduction. Really, really appreciate that. I would just love to add to that, Dr. Rader. You are one of the best clinicians that I've ever had the privilege of, of working with. Just your attention to detail, the way you think about a case from A to Z, your communication, your staff, you know, your whole team collectively, they are a class act for sure. Thank you for having me, Heidi and Lou. Absolutely. We are going to jump in and talk about implant cases and setting patient expectations because that's such a big 
a broad topic. I know we've talked about it several times and, you know, setting the patient's expectations is key to the patients accepting the treatment and feeling comfortable and confident and relaxed on their restorative journey. Can you take us into your practice? You know, say you got a patient who lost a tooth, they're coming in. What does that look like? What do you do to prepare them for that? Well, Heidi, there's a there's a protocol that we have for our practice. Either it's a cosmetic case or it's an implant case. The protocol that we have is, is usually the same. And I can break that up into sort of three sections. The one section is, I will call it the consultation section that takes the patient from the initial phone call uh, with data gathering and a couple of other things. Then we head into the treatment plan phase and then the actual clinician phase. Let me slowly just walk you through each of the phases and how we run it in our office. I did I did for a while do a little bit of lecturing to other dentists about case presentation and case acceptance. So some of this I do implement highly in my practice, and I think it'll be beneficial to everybody. My get-go, my main thing that we strive upon our practice is image, image, image. Image is everything and how people perceive of you will take you to that next level. We'll also make the patients feel comfortable and we'll also have them feel that, hey, you know what, I'm in the right place to get this type of a treatment done. Starting out with even the very first phone call when that patient calls into your practice and they're inquiring about, um, let's say either an implant or cosmetic uh, or even just becoming a patient of our general practice, I think it's very important for that person who picks up the phone. That is your number one image that the person gets of your practice. And we work out various scripts, proper verbiage, and even at that first phone call, that person will do a mild screening of the patient to which we have certain forms that this page that the, our front receptionist is actually filling out and checking off as she's having that conversation. So then that conversation can be handed down properly to our treatment coordinator, which will take the patient from there. So let's say after the initial phone call, the patient does make an appointment. The treatment coordinator already knows who's coming in. They greet them at the door. They take them into our treatment consultation area. I have a strict saying for the first 10, 15 minutes, I don't want my treatment coordinator to ask anything that has to do with the mouth. We are treating the mouth, but we're also treating the patient. We want to know what the patient does. We want to know the patient's family background. We want to know what the patient expectations are and what are their concerns. And what are anything else before we even approach talking about the teeth or the mouth? Then our treatment coordinator will usually give an office tour. And again, as I'm coming back to my usual phrase, image is everything, you know, your practice has to be impressive to show and to also represent what kind of treatment you present. And jokes aside, I do have uh, my treatment coordinator does show our bathroom to the patients. You wouldn't believe how many women would come and say, oh my God, your bathroom looks better than mine at home. (laughs) So you have that statement bathroom at your practice that impresses everybody. (laughs) Then we would also take a tour around the office, show the technology that we have, starting from the CT scan to our SIRAC, to our lasers, to the printers that we have, and just 
go just explain to the patient and show to the patient that, hey, you're in the, one of the more modern facilities out there. I think that just breaks that usual routine of the patient walking into another dental practice. And all they do is just say, okay, come on in. They put him in the operatory, start taking x-rays and they tell him, well, the doctor will be back in 20 minutes hopefully person to person. It's connecting with that person and getting to know them. They're making the choice to come into your practice. I mean, you're 12, 12 inches from their face. You know, most of the time it's a very intimate thing. And a lot of people are kind of scared to go to the dentist. So to get to know your team and you a little bit better, I think really puts them at ease. And throughout this whole procedure, the treatment coordinators there, I will usually jump in just for a few minutes to introduce myself let the patient know what's going to be happening in a sense of uh, x-rays, data collection, pictures, and all the other information that we need. Then once that is all gathered up, I will get a chance to view all that. And this is all happening even not in front of the patient. This is happening in the background of the patient. I will review the information and then if it is something of a straightforward implant case, let's say a patient is about to lose one or two teeth, something simple that could be accomplished, I will have that consultation with that patient at that time. If it's something that requires a little bit more time, I don't like to be rushed at the initial consultation. So I will a lot of times reschedule a second consultation where I will allow more time and have the flexibility of not having other patients or my hygiene department banging on me to come over and do their PO checks, where I can spend that time and show the patient that I'm, look, I'm really attributing this time to you. I'm here to answer all your questions. That's great. So when you get them back in, how do you and your team present that treatment plan? Is that something that you do solely or is that done by a coordinator? Or? If it is something simple, uh, my treatment coordinator has been with me for over 15 years. She's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I try to teach her as much dentistry. And truthfully, I think she knows more dentistry than some of the dentists that I know. <laughs> but uh, she will, she can, uh, I will absolutely, as a doctor, I will present the treatment plan and then I will have her address the financial aspect of it. Now, a lot of patients are not as easy of a case. So there are many things in a sense of, is that patient an ideal candidate for an implant? Uh, how is the bone amount? How is that bone quality for placing a fixture? The patient's restorative concerns, if they lost the tooth and you're going to be restoring it with an artificial tooth, how are the teeth next door? Do we actually have proper room for placing an implant? You know, we have a lot of patients who come in just recently. I saw a patient, she said, hey, doc, I want two implants. But the patient has waited for about seven years and the teeth on either side moved in together. So addressing all these limitations and setting the expectations is, hey, will that patient need a sinus bump or a sinus lift? How is the access? Can the patient actually open up? They can come in and they would love to have an implant on a lower arch in the back, but can they actually open up so you can even get in there to even make your initial osteotomy? So all these things need to be taken into consideration and presented during that time. Sure. I, I would think that, you know, as you're kind of overcoming those obstacles, especially with a patient, you know, where their teeth have drifted or other limitations. How do you address that with a patient? If they're excited, they're coming in, you know, they've, they've lost a tooth, they waited all that time. You know, what's that pivot look like for you? 
A lot of times it is really difficult because the patient comes in, they think they're just going to get an implant, they're going to get a tooth, but there are other things involved. And a lot of times you have to just, you know, be professional and just let them know that, look, for me, in order to make this as a non-compromised case, we need to do this and this and this. And I think through the years, when you do enough of implant dentistry and you do enough of restorative dentistry, you know what works and what doesn't and what does not succeed or can work, but it's not ideal. So knowing those things and holding firm ground, I think a lot of times the patients will listen to you, even that that is something that they did not want to hear, but they will go along with your, whatever you're consulting to them with your recommendation, coming back to if they trust you and they see that you know what you're talking about. Another huge obstacle can be is financial arrangements. Can you touch on that and share? Cause that's always a little bit of a, a touchy one, I think in practices. It's not so much a toughy one, a toughy one. It is the main one. Because we are here to provide high quality care. And if you are in the, if you're doing a good amount of implants and good amount of higher end restorative work, your fees are on the higher, on the higher end of the spectrum. So in my practice, we are a fee for service practice. I do not do any financing. Once in a while, we can touch upon care credit with the patients, but a lot of times with the financial, with the care credit charges. Sometimes patients decide to take a, take the money out of a credit line or, or some other sources. But with implant dentistry, one of the things that I have found over the years is calming the patients down because a lot of these procedures are not to be paid right away. So if you look into implant dentistry, let's say a patient comes in, they're going to be losing a tooth and it's not let's say it's not a great candidate for an immediate loading or an immediate placement, you do take out the tooth and graft it. You do come back three months later to place a fixture. And I like to wait on the conservative side three to four months. So that patient has about nine months of time to uh, collect the money and get it ready to be paid. So we stress that a lot and we break it down into payments for them over that period of time, which makes it easier for them versus the versus than a lump sum. So you've gone through the consultation, you've gone through the treatment plan. Um, you've talked about restorative limitations and what that looks like and financial arrangements. And you do place implants within your practice yourself. So how do you set the expectations and set them up for a successful surgery? Well, one of the things that the protocol we have is wherever I can, I like to do all my surgeries guided. So we do explain to the patients as to the precision of guided placement. We do explain to them and I show them where the implant is on the CT scan, where we plan it out. Is it close to the sinus? And can we get away without possibly bumping the sinus or just showing them the precision of it? That would be number one that makes the patients real, it just makes them more comfortable. And then besides the surgical aspect, now you're moving into certain protocols that we have in our practice. Evaluating what that is, is very important. And 
Dr. Reed, I've been in a, a lot of different offices, and uh, certainly it's evident the technology investment that you made, and and you and we know firsthand that you are extremely advanced and always at, at the cutting edge of that. Well studied, well versed, but it also strikes me as uh, it is so elegant in your office, but it's also extremely comfortable, and, and I'm, I'm sure as patients. Or, or getting to understand what's uh, the treatment plan that you you and the game plan that you have for their well-being that it has to strike them as not just comfortable but uh, instills a, a large degree of confidence your your approach your team's approach but also the atmosphere and the environment that you created really just world class and such a tremendous harmony of advanced technology, elegance, and uh, and comfort. Lou, a couple of things that actually, thank you very much for your kind words. Uh, but one other thing that I want to mention is something about patient comfort and patient expectations is I like to explain to them that a wonderful outcome will come from three sources. Source number one is the data gathering, the technology, the being able to treatment plan your implants, placing them. Number two would be the clinical skills of the clinician, knowing a lot of times if you encounter some situations, no matter what you say, this is still surgery, and you will encounter a lot of things that sometimes were not seen on the CT scan, some bone densities, and number some sometimes the bone where you initially want to place your implant, where you want that screw hole or the fixture to be is not what can be expected or what can be done. And this number three is the most important is where your lab technician part comes in. So if there are situations where, hey, look, uh, we work closely, I work closely with a wonderful a lab technician for the last seven years, she exclusively does all my cosmetic work, all my implant work. Roxanne, my, uh, my hat is off to you. And the wonderful work and how many times you've probably saved my butt. Uh, that's, and that is also very, very important. The pre-planning, the seeing, hey, what the final result will be. I think the lab technician from the very beginning is very important to make these uh, cases very successful. She would say that about you and uh, and how much we've all learned uh, from you, uh, not just dentistry and your clinical guidance, but also the deep sense of care. And as Heidi mentioned before, the, the such extreme attention to detail. And one of the things that uh, continues to inspire me, Dr. Rader, is your thirst for continuing education, is that you're always going to courses. I, I think the last time we saw each other outside of your office area was in at the Serona World, or you know, you're pursuing uh, ongoing education. You've invested a lot of travel and time. For, from someone from my perspective, uh, it always finds the best teachers are also the very best students. And uh, I know from, uh, as we've discussed, we'd love to encourage you to be that teacher as well. You not only go inspire people, but gain so much enrichment from your knowledge and experience. So that's something everybody that will hopefully be announcing here shortly, but uh, I'm, I'm going to push Dr. Rader to 
be out there even more. Thank you, Luke. And just it's just the philosophy that I have that I live by. If you don't push forward, if you don't push forward, you're just going to decline. Well, I have to share a personal story because when the pandemic hit, he is one of our local doctors here in Northern California. And he was one of the go-to guys to talk to about, you know, where are you getting gloves? Where are you getting your PPE? What are the regulations? What What are we doing about loans? He's always tapped in not only locally, but nationally and internationally. You were talking to people in Israel and all over the place. And you just, you had your, you had your finger on the pulse. Well, if I can help, if I can help my peers, that is to me the biggest satisfaction. Actually coming, you were mentioning this, I was uh, preparing for my income taxes uh, starting right now for the corporate taxes coming up. And my accountant sends me this and he goes, hey, what is this bill that you spent $7,500 on that you paid to a company in China? And I was looking going, wait, I didn't pay anybody in China. And then I did remember, when the N95 masks were very mm-hmm. scarce here, we actually found a distributor that could get it to us within two weeks. And uh, I was able to get at least, I think, 45 or 50 doctors around the Northern Bay, Northern Bay area to, we all pitched in and we got these masks and we had them, we had them two weeks left as of they promised. So yeah, if I can help out, that's, you know, that's what I'm here for. So that's a story that really <laughs> illustrates and it sums up Dr. Rader and our personal experiences with it, just so thoughtful and caring about the bigger picture. And you, you certainly make uh, dental health care a better place. Thank you, Luke. So Dr. Rader, you know, you're talking about helping the community and local doctors around you and how much you like to, to give back. And I'd love to just bring this up because we're talking about setting patients' expectations and what that looks like. And you guys do such a just gold standard in your office to do that. When things go sideways and in every practice they do because it's real life, maybe you can share whatever you're comfortable with. Like there was a situation, how did it go sideways? And then how did you recover? Heidi, that is a very, very good question. And uh, the only thing I can boil that down to is two aspects. Aspect number one, clinical experience. The number two, also just experience and knowing, doing enough of the surgeries. During surgery, many things can go uh, wrong. I can tell you a case that I had where the CT scan showed that the bone was softer and we ended up, I ended up placing a fixture. It was, uh, I think, lower left mandible. We were planning to place three fixtures. We placed two of them. And the third one, when I placed that we got it perfectly, when I went to unscrew the table, I basically had my implant fall into the jaw. That's a very good feeling for a doctor to have. Yes, your stomach lining starts eating up right away. I was able to retrieve it and there was a large concavity in the jaw that wasn't, I went back to the CT scan that wasn't even you know, evident on there. So a lot of times in these type of situations, you just need to figure out whether if you can get a larger fixture in there, uh, if you can get stability, or do you just abort that, graft the area, and then come back in four months and replace the implant. And that's what I had to do during that, that part. So we placed the two implants, grafted the area, and came back four months later. The bone was solid, 
place, they implant. So it's all about experience. Uh, you know, you're doing osteotomies, you're drilling bone, you can expect, you know, you sometimes have patients who have a little bit of high blood pressure. You can also nick a little bit something in the jaw, little arterioles. You can have extra bleeding that you need to have proper paste and things to control. And also, you know, bone quality. And the most important is stability of the implant. Like I said, uh, we just we just did another case recently. It was a all on six case. So we placed six implants and one implant, even though the bone looked good on the CT scan, it was that implant was still, I could get torque of maybe 15. I couldn't get any more. So interestingly enough, uh, thank God that was a per, pretty easy situation where you just have to have different sizes of implants on hand and go in and put a wider implant in and everything was fine. But a lot of times things can go sideways. It's just the experience of try to, uh, you know, recuperate from it, number one, how to recuperate. And then also the experience of maybe foreseeing these things ahead of time. So maybe if you have enough, if you're not sure, and if you're just starting out and placing implants and you are by the sinus and you haven't really bumped the sinus or you're really afraid of it, um, you know, maybe that is something that you may want to refer of not even getting to that situation. Or maybe you may want to refer that, but go over to the specialist office and see how he does it just to learn. So next time you can do it in your practice, but just pre-planning some of these things and just the experience, just the experience aspect of, uh, you know, if something does go wrong, fix it. It's the same as a general dentist who's been doing crown preps for many, many years and you're crowning, you're cutting a prep and all of a sudden you see more decay. You just don't even hesitate. You know what to do. You drop that margin a little bit lower. If you need to, you do a little bit of crown lengthening. So you already had these, you know, you've had these procedures in your back pocket and you just go ahead and do it. So it's the same with implants. You just have to understand that that is surgery. We're taking, taking our listeners on a journey today uh, from the front door all through the surgery. We talked a little bit about technicians and restorative, restorative solutions. What other tools could you help? And, and a lot of it's just going to be experience, like you said, but what are some of maybe some of the phrases that you say in the office if, you know, to set those patient's expectations or technical tools or resources for successful outcomes? I think from the case presentation aspect, visual tools are the best. Having the sure. patient see their own CT scan, having them to see if there is not enough bone, if you're going to need to do some you know, you need to do some bone grafting maybe beforehand, or you need to do some bone grafting at the time of placement, showing it to them visually, visually showing models to the patients of what this is going to look like, uh, what they can expect. You know, I think that's the number one thing. Um, during surgery, there isn't many, many other things. If there are complications, you just have to have you and your team be on the same page how to handle them. Other tools, uh, just just being being able to understand if there's a, clinically, if there's a sinus, sinus bumps, maybe taking some classes on how to do them. Just, just knowing what, what to expect and what you can encounter. Resources, like you said, um, uh, continuing education, huge thing, huge thing uh, for you and for your patients. 
creating, creating a positive environment during the patient presentation also puts the patient at ease. And coming back to one of the biggest things that I found is even though the patients can be as tough as they seem, I think a lot of oral sedation will really help everybody during the clinical aspect of the procedure. That is also very, very important. I think it makes it much easier for the clinician if the patient is sedated. Thank you for sharing all of that. Really appreciate it. Final thought today, or maybe there's something that I didn't touch on that you'd like to touch on. Um, I just want to just want to tell the audience that if no matter where you are in your journey on implant placement, if you're just starting out, pick and choose those simpler cases. Guided surgery is not very difficult. Yes, you can encounter some things, but most of the time, uh, single uh, tooth replacements should be absolutely very routine. Uh, once you get into some more complicated cases, I think the final thought is at the end of the day, a lot of them could be a little frustrating. A lot of them could be a lot of treatment planning. A lot of them could be just, you know, sometimes the things are not going right, but then you're actually making them finally happen. Seeing that the patients, the lives that you change is the most incredible thing. I will tell you, I'm just uh, working on a case right now. Um, it's a full mouth rehabilitation case that we've placed, uh, I think six or eight implants and the patient has not ground out and broken down his teeth for over 40 years. He's only had about, what does he have? About six or seven teeth on top and about six or seven teeth anteriors on the bottom. We went through a combination case of um, veneers, crowns, and implant placement and implant restorations. He is in temporaries right now where I gave him some height and some nice looking aesthetics. He came back the next day with his wife and she came up to me and she said, you know what? I don't remember my husband's teeth looking like that for the last 35 years. And at the end of the day, this is what makes it all happen for us. That's life-changing. I can't wait to see the before and afters on that case. I know I promised them to you. Thank you so much, Dr. Reader, for everything today. Where can our listeners connect with you? I am in Walnut Creek. I have a website, alexraderdds.com, and our office number is 925-932-1855. Thank you for listening. We invite you to subscribe to DSG Connect on iTunes or Spotify. Take a minute to refer a friend or colleague and help us spotlight this podcast by leaving us a review. In between episodes, stay connected with us. Have a topic in mind? Send your suggestions to podcast at dentalservices.net. Also, did you know we have webinars? Check them out at dentalservices.net slash edu. We believe we're stronger together. Until next time, enjoy your day.